got a little crazy, you got a little hazy And the cops said there's something wrong here Tiger King concert fourth episode of Tiger King playing with fire and of course with us um, to do that of course is our our own Tiger King Ultra <laughs> hello PJ our tra King I'm very excited um I mean, really, I, I mean, so, so a couple updates. So, I mean, so we, there was a recent episode that was added to Netflix of the series. So we're going to try to figure out a way and work that in. Um, but kind of after this episode, we're going to try to maybe, you know, do one more, um, with the back half of this series. Maybe if it, depending on how long it takes, we'll probably do two, um, there's a lot in this episode um, for us to, to dive into. Yeah, tough look for our guy Joe in this one, I'll say. Um, sort of. I will say this. How this episode opens of, um, and one of my notes was just, you know, it, in the opening scene is basically like a day in the life of joe or like cold open <laughs> of sorts of and and if you if you depending on how you watched it if you did watch episode three and then immediately started episode four it is a stark transition of carol killed her husband to joe exotic what i can only describe as his music video is like the life a day in the life of joe exotic it's like almost <laughs> a um the sound of it, like it almost sounds like he's singing "I Got Friends," like the tune or cadence of the song. It's almost like "I Got Friends in Lonely Places." At least the song that's in the car, which I think is the same as their opening song. But he's like drinking a cup of coffee, um, you know, walking around the zoo. Uh, which I think, if you know, Joe Exotic his reality TV show, which we'll get into a little bit later had aired in the 90s like that the song that's played in that music video would be like the perfect opening for oh, that oh yeah and my biggest question coming from this song and honestly maybe the most this is this is uh probably the most jarring one of the most jarring things that I saw while watching this documentary this we've talked about this before I'm, I hail from the state of Iowa. I'm a big Hawkeye fan. Joe Exotic is drinking from an Iowa Hawkeye's yeah. first thing in this episode, which I think it's a Tiger Hawk. He, that is what's drawing uh, Joe to it. I don't think he's a Hawkeye fan, but it's something I want to figure. He's wearing a lot of Texas Longhorns hats throughout this, so I, I really don't think he's a Hawkeye fan, but I, do, I need to figure that out still. Joe's all over the map with some of his... Uh different apparel um in his deposition that we'll get into too he's wearing an iron man shirt (laughs) Um. (laughs) he doesn't wear underwear he's definitely not wearing any sort of uh nca branded underwear yeah um i'd also like to note 
where he says the only music he listens to is his own music in the car. Um, I'd like to note, once again, if you do not recall from our first episode, one of the facts we revealed is that none of those songs, <laughs> Joe did not write or sing any of those country songs. It was the Clinton Johnson band that did it, that he hired to create those songs for him. Um, so he's, he's not even like, yeah, he's not actually listening to himself sing. Even though in part of that opening shot, you see him in a recording booth. Once again, he did not sing any of these songs. If only. But it was it was so... It was, the contrast as he's singing along in the truck, it's like, oh. Watching it the first time, it's like, oh. I, my first reaction was that he, he's not actually singing these songs, but when you're actually hearing him sing backing the track... No question, it's not him. Yeah, the only time is, you know, we'll get it be these next few. I mean, he does actually do one singing performance, but like that, I was like, maybe, but uh, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, you know, so really the, the meat of this episode, um, we begin with kind of the Carol Joe feud continuing, and now proceeding forward to a level of we're getting uh the courts involved in there um it goes beyond a a battle of social media you know back and forth posts and husband murdering theory accusations and all like it we get to hard lawsuits and uh you know a lot of it was centered around trademark now you know they show Big Cat Rescue's top legal attorney, uh, man on the case, is, is Carol's husband, alive husband, current husband, Howard. Um, My man. But they show the number of file cabinets and just, like, amount of, like, material and, and stuff that they've had, and, like, pending legal stuff that they're kind of, uh, all these cabinet floors, I mean, takes up an entire office in their place. Um and like it's all basically around trademark now we get introduced to the big cat rescue entertainment logo which is something of a um and something we'll get into two more is like they do talk about like kind of all their social media stuff but that was joe exotic's first sort of shot fired as far as they created this big cat rescue entertainment logo as a way to um for any of you SEO junkies out there, um, really, you know, a lot of SEO out battles here to try to get Google searches to have their website show up before Carol Baskins. Um, but oddly, like the actual lawsuit that continues to get mentioned in this is not about that, even though they like you know prove some certain things and stuff. The main piece of this was around a photo that was produced that showed um employees of big cat rescue smiling while holding dead rabbits that they had um killed Uh, that part's a little vague right do you like really understand if they did kill them or they just had like dead rabbits that they were then gonna feed to the tigers at big cat rescue they my interpretation was they did in fact kill them but they they killed them 
in order to feed them to the big cats. And there, the, there's a couple of women there that are smiling, and um, they. So Joe posts this and is like, "Look, big cat rescue is killing rabbits." Um, I thought, you know, a, a fine tactic to be done within this the context of the war between the two of them and stuff that's been said back and forth. Um, however, Carol uh, has uh, copyrighted or purchased the photo for $5 is what Joe said. And then three months after that, copyrighted it and then sued Joe for copyright infringement for posting that photo and utilizing it along with it i think some of it was tied with some of his more aggressive post of photoshop work with carol's face on it including with uh grown men in diapers oh that was the best one too i i had forgotten about that upon rewatching it and i gotta say you know it makes sense that he would jump on the rabbits thing immediately like okay here are people with big cat rescue t-shirts on they are they have these bloody animals in their hands like all right carol carol uh she criticizes me all the time for all the terrible things i do well boom this is the easiest this is like low-hanging fruit of like getting back at carol but then to photoshop her face on what appears to be a man in a diaper (laughs) and putting it all over facebook is it the most tasteful thing in the world? No. <laughs> is it hilarious? <laughs> it was. It is hilarious. Yeah. Um, I loved it. It's terrible, it's, and I loved it. It's certainly over the top. I don't know to have the resources to be able to like bring all these things up and like to pursue legal action against it all, I mean, it's just the kind of ridiculous, just the amount of money that they basically spent doing, like, a legal sparring match between one another. Um, it kind of, it kind of, I will say, when it's, like, after, like, that part and, like, getting into all the legal back and forth with all of us and they're covering that, it did make the whole Carol Joe thing less fun, not from a... Um, standpoint of like oh well now this is now the, there's lawsuits involved like this is no this is serious it's like but a lot of what they show in these what you've seen through the first three episodes and in this it's like oh it's just back and forth and like joe's being more ridiculous and doing all this stuff but like i think yeah like even with the baby photo you know the diaper photo thing it's like yeah it's ridiculous but it's kind of funny um Oh, you're this, like this episode more than any other just goes to show you how far off of his rocker Joe Exotic is. Yeah. He is absolutely it has consumed every fiber of his brain. He has gone crazy over this. He is willing to like he makes a comment later in the episode of like, you know, I thought that I had uh I thought that I had some faith in the justice system there for a while. It's like, well, I mean Joe, you you knew what you were getting into every step along the way here. It's just yeah. you were obsessed, obsessed with trying to annoy Carol Baskin in any possible way imaginable, regardless of any consequence that might have upon yourself or the zoo or anything else. And it's actually really sad. Like, 
it's fascinating to to see him in this episode and that it portrays this picture of him slowly becoming 100% consumed by poking the bear. But at the same time, it's really sad that it's like everything you see in the first episode of hit the love that he is showing and giving with these cats. And like, I'm not saying he was perfect in episode one either. Like the breeding thing is a whole uh, political conversation. What the heck's going on with that? Yeah. But it is, and you um, have and you have him dragging like baby tigers from like immediately coming being bored like dragging them out of cages. In yes, this but one. but this it's just like it's clear that he is he's no longer focused on trying to have a good zoo and even trying to make money off the zoo. He is just focused on trying to tear this woman down. Well, yeah, and you're absolutely it's it's that it's the care obsession with Carol. And two, it's the, like, idea and obsession with being famous. Like, he thought, you know, Joe's desire to be famous is, like, and, and that's where the kind of the theme that really gets introduced, I think, in this episode, but then carries over for the next three, basically, um, are kind of those two main things that are, like, obsess- he obsesses about more than even the portion of like oh you know running a zoo um but yeah i guess for like the carol feud thing all i could think of was like and compare it to is like when you're younger or growing up or even like any kind of jokes pranks you know anything you were doing you know amongst amongst your peers amongst your friends like it was always like kind of fun and there was like a, a high that got off of it. and then it's just like all i could think of and and equate it to was the idea of like when someone went just a step too far did something where it's like now parents or teachers or like you know principal at school was involved like stuff like that like this was the adult version of that of like oh it was kind of like sure it was harmful in quotations but really what was beyond like them just posting petty like joe posting petty stuff and carol doing some you know kind of being like well i'm gonna tell on you for saying that um like that's kind of what this felt like and it just made it less fun versus i 100 percent agree yep it's like wow i'm and carol has the ton of the i'm gonna speak to your manager and i'd like to speak to your manager energy along with and I don't know if I've said this in another episode, but it's probably timing of things is, is why it, but I, I did say I, the first time I watched Tiger King, I had this thought. Then I did watch the Hillary doc on Hulu and then rewatching this, I confirmed it, but Carol Baskin's got a lot of Hillary energy to her, especially like with the cat photo thing. She's like, they were just smiling because they were happy. Their favorite cats. We're going to get to eat a delicious rabbit. Uh, it's just ridiculous to be saying that we're killing bunnies. Um, you know, it's, it's couldn't be farther from the case of what's occurring. And it's just, it's ridiculous to even have to be explaining this. Um, well, it's could, like. Could have been substituted yeah. for like, it's even ridiculous that we're talking about my emails again and again. This obsession with the emails. Yeah. The, it's actually, if you, you and I could could do a freaking separate hour on just like animal rights i don't think either of us are really qualified into diving into that subject but like you know that's where you draw the line 
is really the question. Well, I, me. I mean, yeah. I, like, listen, I don't really know if I'm, like, truly offended if they're like, oh, yeah, we're killing rabbits. Like, feed these tigers. Like, all right, I mean, rabbits are endangered. Like, yeah, if a rabbit bounced into the tiger cage, um, all right. <laughs> um, you know, tigers got to eat. I get it. You know. I don't really, yeah, I didn't really have a problem with it, but I think it's more or less, like, the contrast being, like, Carol's property herself is pristine, like, elegant kind of thing, and they're killing bunnies, like, I mean, it is kind of ridiculous, and, like, if we're doing rankings just off of this, like, Doc Antle's got the best setup of all these places, and, like, per his price points as well, like, we know that, um, and that's probably the only, the worst part of this episode, is we don't get a lot of Doc in this one um which is a disappointment but yeah so the lawsuit thing though to summarize right it just kind of it makes the the feuding some of it like it it is needed i think but it, it does sort of make it less fun and sort of boring in some points because now it, it goes from like the actual things that joe's doing to you know him battling this lawsuit <laughs> yeah it, it, it's it's all fun and games when you're just looking at all like the funny antics that he's doing but um he it's just so stupid uh yeah some of the some of the things he, he it's just so stupid and they mm-hmm. they touch on it a lot of the people around joe are touching on it they're like they try to tell him to this stop. is some you you should have like he should have just known hey like what do you think is going to happen out of this? That you're going to all of a sudden put something on a pedestal that Carol Baskin did and that it is going to be her ultimate demise and then she's going to have to disband Big Cat Rescue and then your life is all of a sudden going to be on Easy Street? Like, Well, no, Carol's not, place was on not, Easy Street. <laughs> I knew you were going to say I knew you were going to put that. But <laughs> um, that just wasn't going to happen. She has... Her from her from her boy, her ex Don, she's got the funds. Yeah. You don't. Yeah, anyway, that's... we 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 should talk. We should get into the reality documentary part of this because, yeah. or not documentary, but the reality show part of this because that was my favorite part of this episode. Probably. Yeah, it's it, like you it, don't it's... really know that the first part of this documentary. Well, yeah. So we we get it. We get it, and I guess we'll do. We, we want to save Howard for the back half or our howard thought baskin thoughts hmm no let's go in on howard man i've been ready for this yeah so we've had ultra and i behind the scenes have had howard baskins in our crosshairs for a little bit here um and he'll get some still some shout outs but i think we've got some room here to to really break in on howard um he is, um, I, I'm pretty sure I haven't said this, I've been saving it for this moment, but like, if I were to look up the definition of a cuck in the <laughs> dictionary, Howard Baskin has got some serious, like, cuck hold energy to him. <laughs> like, that man, like, shouts to Carol, like, I do think they're probably perfect for one another because the, my man is, like, doing his her every bidding and is on the phone with Joe Exotic, like, negotiating, doing all this shit for her. And, like, she just gets to, like, tell him what to do every step of the way. And it's, like, 
wild to me. Like, just not even a, you know, I'm not, this is has nothing to do with any sort of standing of like, oh, like, you know, a woman can't be the more dominant in a relation. Like, this is straight up, like, ridiculous of, like, how he acts. is just, like, the strings that are attached behind him that Carol is pulling of this man. I'm like, holy crap. And you see it. We see it more and more, like, there's other examples in these back half, these last three episodes, too, that weren't in this. But, like, it's like, holy crap, man. Like, this woman's got you wrapped completely around her finger. Well, so yes, I, I totally get the, I totally get the energy that you are describing here. Um, big the big thing, energy. what I can't get over, is that, and I'll, I'll preface it with that, Howard is, by and large, the most well-spoken. Person <laughs> in this yeah, he's articulate. He, yeah, he, the guy is. He doesn't fumble on anything that he's saying. He, he is clearly a pretty sharp guy, but this guy is also when you are later in life because they ended, they got married in twenty two thousand four, so they're both they're both in their forties when they're getting married, and out of all the people in the world that you could choose to spend your life with, you would spend it with someone that's previous husband had gone missing is something that I just have never been able to get over. And their dynamic is not only that they are husband and wife, but they seem to be so infatuated with one another. And maybe mm. that's fake, dude. Maybe it's fake. I think- that's but it seems it seems like he is obsessed with her. And she is I don't know about equally as obsessed with him, but he almost idolizes her and it's it's crazy some of the and the pictures some of the pictures of them like getting married on the beach and her like leading him along on a leash i just no words can describe how weird the whole thing is well and he in his own right like um so he and like things they don't really i guess cover too much is like um just with him directly like he's a lawyer like he got his law degree from and then he has mba from harvard like he himself um is like considered pretty like has his own pretty well off before he met carol um and like you said is is um for all intents and purposes like a pretty comes is like compared contrasted to like everyone else like even uh, not to be like a dick, but like you look at like Joe's like uh, husband, like can't even say like I'm the president of GW Zoo at one point in this one. Like, yeah, Howard like stands out as like kind of the guy of like amongst everyone in this world is like, how did you end up here, man? But when you just mentioned thing about like they're in fact, I think it's like Howard for some reason is infatuated with Carol, and Carol is infatuated with that Howard is infatuated with her. Yeah. Like Carol likes how much <laughs> Howard likes her. Oh, she clearly is I and it they met 
they I, I've read this. They met at a fundraiser that she had been doing for her whatever version of of what she is currently what she's been doing. I don't know. One what of it's those those fur balls was it one of the fur balls? I'm not sure, but. It, I'm sure that he just came in as like I'm an admirer of yours and she just like ate that up and here you are well and but I think he, he may have so my understanding was he had some involvement in Big Cat Rescue and then they started dating um, so he was somehow offering uh, some sort of like assistance or consultation and then like that's how him and Carol met He's also on their website referred to as Howie. Um, so that's something. <laughs> yeah, I Howard. Like, I'll say this: if you're if you're a grown ass man and you're going by like Howie, and that's like you've just always gone by Howie. But if your name is Howard and like people call you Howard, and then someone else is calling you Howie. And like publishing that, it's like kind of the same thing. Of like, I think this one's a worse example, but the idea of like, if your name is, if you're over the age of 21 and someone's calling you Mikey, no grown ass man should be referenced to is like kind of just like belittling. If you were to call like a 40 year old man, might have a like wife, kids, whatever, like just a grown up calling him Mikey. <laughs> well, I agree with that. But I think Howie's kind of in that same vein. Oh, it's um, it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's not great. You should go by Howard. Unless you're but Howie yeah. Long, like Howie Long is though like the man of all men and always been called Howie. Yeah, it's a fine line because most people aren't self-aware enough to be like, "Oh, Howie works for me or not," you know. Yeah, but if you're wimpy, but if you're if if you kind of look wimpy and you're a, you go by Howard to help with that, like. If if uh, if Howie Long was going by Howard Long, you he would be terrifying. Like even more, like, I mean he's a yeah. But like he is the luxury because he's a man of all men. Like he can go by Howie. Yeah. Uh, Howard Baskins needs to like needs to be. It's not how he is Howard to you. <laughs> no, the Howard. He smart move by him. Maybe maybe use that same logic when figuring out what women that you want to marry yourself with like let's let's make sure that you are making smart safe decisions here howard but you know what on the other hand they have been married for 16 years he is alive Um, he's alive well he's got to keep up those legal defenses yeah he's so what have you done for me lately in the big cat world and he's been doing a lot for carol just from taking down her sworn enemy so so I know I know you have some fun facts that you're going to cover at the end of this, but I do have a small trivia question that I want to ask you while I'm on the Carol Baskin Wikipedia page, and that yeah. is, what do you think her middle name is? Mm-hmm. It starts with an S. An S. And you're not. There's just no way you're going to get it. Share. Stairs. Stairs. S. T A I R S, Carol Stairs Baskin. That's kind of fitting because she does have those kind of eyes that she doesn't look like she blinks. <laughs> no, no, no! Like stairs, like you're walking I know. upstairs. <laughs> okay. I know, I know, 
I understand, but okay, all right. But gotcha. it also looks like Carol stares a lot of people. That's true. Anyway, let's. Uh, that's our Howard Baskin take. He. Um, we'll probably have more Howard thoughts, but I. Yeah, just the guy is. I'm like, I feel bad for him in a way, but at the same and time, and I wish. I, really I just wish he should. We shouldn't. We should have gotten a backstory on him. We should yeah. have gotten to learn more. We that's should've. my. My biggest takeaways is. <laughs> How are how is this okay to you? And B. Let's get the backstory because yeah. are you previously married? Is Carol your first wife? How yeah. did you get involved with? Yeah, I just have so yeah. many questions. Yeah, if if Jeff Lowe saw Howard Baskins in the hallway, though, he definitely like give him a wedgie and stuff him into a locker. Oh, they are. Besides being obsessed with cats, they are about as polar opposite from one another as you could possibly conceive. Yeah. But we'll get to Jeff Lowe. What we got to get to first is what Alter alluded to. We learned about in this episode about the Joe Exotic Tiger King reality show, which is kind of Rick Kirkham's primary role within this story. We hear about him. He does interject a lot through the first kind of the early Joe Exotic years um, and kind of mentioned it. But like so before this, like he had worked for um, Insider Edition. He had f- produced a film where he had filmed himself and it was about his crack cocaine addiction that he um talks about and like kind of references a little bit in this but you will see like a little bit in this doc of him like shooting like of direct shots of him so like i mean the one the practice of him filming everything on the site was like you know a practice he had already been implementing with his own life and like you see different shots in here but it's like straight up him having a camera on himself and is just like you know that's just how he operated he filmed everything in his life i think i saw you know with this he's he's filmed like every day of his life since he was 14 um he's like always recorded himself um just like kind of documenting his entire life um but he enters this kind of world as agreeing to Joe to run his internet show, but really doing so and and drafting up a contract with Joe so that he could build a reality show because he saw Joe. And I, he was right, I think. His assessment was correct. Like, Joe Exotic was perfect for reality TV. Um, And, you know, what are your, some of your, I mean, like, do you feel cheated, Ultra, that we didn't actually get a Joe Exotic reality show? I mean, big time. He hit the nail on the head. Like, he <laughs> he hit an absolute gold mine. I don't know if it would have been appreciated as much as it should have been had it actually been released, but mm-hmm. he he what a great investment that would have been. Yeah, like he made the right bet. That's the thing that's like about this. Like he made the right bet. Um and they're filming like everything and like he's just like essentially and he'll say, you know, it's like he viewed this as his retirement, his big ticket, like I'm going to 
Like I've found my like, my ticket to kind of I can retire off of this. You know, I just need to put in all this work, but this is going to pay off. Um, in the end, um, and you know, one of the things, and, and he talks a lot about Joe's pursuit of wanting to be famous, um, and like his self obsessiveness. But like, so we got to talk about the tiger, the the throne just shot, and just like that moment when that's introduced. Like what ultra when you saw that? I mean. And when he's talking about Joe rewatching it, like, I mean, what are you thinking? I mean, just like seeing that portion of it, it's like, it's insane. It is insane. I mean, and he he says some things during this part um, that really make a lot of sense when you think about Joe Exotic, which is that bottom line, he wants to be famous more than he wants anything else. And that he's willing to do anything to make that happen. And he, like you're saying, you're alluding to him referencing Joe just sitting in the back of one of the buildings at the mm-hmm. zoo and just watching, just rewatching this footage of him sitting on this throne with some background music over and over and over again and thinking about. I am the Tiger King and like this is like that's me and I you know thinking about how big he could be and that's why I think we're we're leading up to this but what happens with the footage and it getting ultimately destroyed is so interesting because I think Joe did it (laughs) and (laughs) I it's almost like it yeah there are many things in this documentary we, that yeah. lead to him doing it and being the culprit there but there are, there's a there's a lot for him to gain from that footage Whoa. having been released so i just i don't know what's going on over there peach <laughs> sounds like pj is going to answer the doorbell so i'm gonna fill in but no the, yeah. the joe exotics people came to get us um oh, i was okay. muting for the impending um, I thought there was gonna be some rusty input there, um, but no. So it, it's really tough with this up. And I would love, I would love to see Rusty play with a little tiger kitten. Yeah, be something. Um, I mean, yeah, we can't really. I mean, we kind of, kind of, because I mean, the episode weaves in and out of all three things because they all do tie together. It's like there's this lawsuit going on in which then, like, so Joe ends up being losing and having to pay Carol a decision of a million dollar judgments placed on him. So Carol's like going through asking for all these assets, seizing all of this from Joe. Um, and it just is literally like sinking Joe down. Like he is hemorrhaging money. Um, you know, and they get into some of the tiger King, not Tiger King. They they get into like him doing cub petting. You see that, and that was like probably one of the most disturbing things, I guess, for me. Is like the the cub is just born, and they're like taking a you know dragging out and like fit like feeding it underneath a fence, and then like his like disgust and annoying likeness with these tiger like cubs who look like days old in his house like crying and like being like they just won't shut up and like that part just like that was probably the one part where i was like all right 
this Joe Exotic thing ain't fun. Like that part doesn't isn't fun, and it's just like gross to me. Well, um, I think I, there's quite a bit in this episode where it's like, Joe, my dude, like you're fun, you're funny, but you're doing like very just some. Like I said at the very beginning, bad look, man. Like yeah. you, you uh. And to jump ahead, I know that we're not trying to like. No, it's all like uh, kind of yeah. I'm saying like it's all weaved into this idea of the top you're looking at. Like Joe starts and like goes down this whole rap of of, of of poking Carol, and he loses and has this huge judgment he has to pay because Carol is has the resources and ability like is trying to make Joe either go bankrupt and yeah, like Joe needs money one way or another. This TV show, based on what Rick says, is like they ha- were negotiating with the network. Like, G- like Rick had his his presented Joe with the perfect out for all this. You know, we're gonna have this TV show. You can pay Carol, and like essentially, you know, go back to you know business as usual, Joe. Right. But what were you gonna? Say? I guess yeah. So where's where are you going with it? Um, uh, well, I was just going to say that, like... With his, like, family? His mom? Well, that was messed up. Um, yeah. That, that was... <laughs> the the story in the episode where it's just like, okay, you know... Just kind of nestled in Car- there. Carol Baskin is just, is just decimating this family and just taking every dollar that she can get when it's wow. clear from, from the... the words coming out of joe's niece's mouth he bled him dry he yeah. he, he threw went, him from the bus he went and tried to put everything in his husband's name in his mother or parents name and it ultimately caused all these issues it's like look i know it's it's spun in a way that's like wow uh not a great look for Carol either because later when Joe is negotiating with Howard and they ultimately agree on kind of a payment plan that is, is more in alignment with the cyclicality of when, of how mm. successful the zoo is. Get you, Mr. Finance. He, she comes on and is like, all right, that's all good and great, but I want your parents' house as collateral. It's like, you know, is that a little extreme? Maybe. If I'm Carol, would I trust Joe Exotic? No. So I, yeah. I, you know, I don't totally blame her. But at the same time, it's like, Joe, or, yeah, Joe, you didn't you didn't have to involve your parents in all of this. You didn't have to put their name on anything. You didn't have to get them involved. Um, and ultimately, you could have squashed this entire lawsuit well before it got to the point that you owed them a million dollars. So Joe... Yo, this episode is really just like Joe's kind of a scumbag. And that's unfortunate. Like, is he still going to be for all time an internet sensation and in many ways like an icon? Sure. He's still kind of a dirtbag. And that's just too bad. Yeah, I mean, he like throws in. I mean, yeah, so let's. And what you're leading to and like kind of putting in mind like, so, you know, part of this result of all this is like that Joe family is bankrupt because of this lawsuit because he throws them under like a financial bus essentially to like 
puts them out in front of this to like try to save his own ass in a zoo. Um, but yeah, so we have this this golden ticket for Joe is this reality show. It's gonna make Rick a ton of money. It's gonna make Joe a lot of money. Like, there's nothing to. Um, there should be really no lose lose in this for anyone involved in that. But cuts to um, there's a fire in Joe's recording studio that literally just obliterates, decimates. Um, this inferno takes over his recording studio where all of the footage is stored and is also shared with the alligators, which is where the um, kind of what we talked about in an earlier episode with like how uh, Michael Jackson had a um, alligator in in there, like it was, um, you know, and, and Robert Moore, who we've like quoted some of his stuff in here, um, of like reporting he's done. That's where he gets involved. Is all around this, and when he started to cover Joe, was after a result of this fire happening. Um, but they do uh, a couple so. You know, Joe thinks it was Rick Kirkham who burned it down or accuses Rick of doing it at first because um, there's a video and they're like, that kind of looks like Rick walking. Um, but Joe makes the biggest thing of this whole situation. Then is thinking it's insinuating that Carol hired people to come um, and possibly, but like, you know, Rick has a re- he's like, I got the hell out of there. I didn't do it. Like, that was my uh, retirement, right? And, you know, they're like, if you come back, you know, call, arrest you for trespassing. Um, but, Ultra, I mean, you think, and something they do present, I think, is the probably most realistic example <laughs> with a lot of things is like the idea that Joe himself did this or was behind it and, like, maybe hired someone to destroy this uh because it's clear as day everyone says it was clearly arson that was that this was a fire made on purpose the the biggest thing that um there's this scene where he is going to talk to his lawyer this is joe um where the lawyer asked the question in reference to all this footage, how are you protecting that? <laughs> and then he's, he, you know, I forget how exactly how Joe answers, but then the, the lawyer responds, they don't have copies of it. You see what I'm saying here, Joe? <laughs> and then Joe leaves shortly thereafter. And this, this is what I'm saying where I, it's kind of an interesting comparison like if i'm joe i can almost like feel this conversation that he's having in his head of like okay on one hand fame and on one hand and along with that i get some money that can kind of help me dig out from underneath this this huge hole that i've dug myself um with carol but on the other hand there is potentially incriminating evidence because there is footage of me for multiple years of pretty much everything and anything that I've been doing. So what am I willing to do here? 
and um like and does it they talk with his husband john it's like well you know john uh not to belittle him in any way he is he admits later he's kind of a meth head and it's messed with his head a little bit um john is like even admits like well how convenient that you're going to chicago for a a funeral when this is going on it's pretty convenient alibi so yeah like they and they and then they immediately like they ban him from ever coming back on the premises so rick yeah it it just it it, yeah rick and it it seems like that it's just a perfect storm of well yeah you guys clearly just set fire to all this stuff so that you could clear your name and prevent anything from being used against you later yeah, I'd say, you know, Joe's biggest and where it's kind of is like Joe is maybe doth protest too much as far as, you know, pointing his fingers to every other person could. But, you know, it, you know, even when they bring up the point of so, yeah, like kind of one of the insinuating things with that lawyer footage you're talking about, Ultra, is like, um, you know, the week before that, Rick basically and, and Joe like had an argument and Rick showed him this can the contract of like why he had rights yeah he has rights to all this footage and that's stemming from this idea that Carol had reached out to Rick Kirkham and like Joe thinks she offered him twenty thousand dollars for uh the footage and like that seems like a pretty low buyout on Rick's part. Like why would Rick do that yeah. even? Just off that. I could totally understand, though, Joe's in a compromised position of, like, yeah, Carol's got a lot of money. Like, is what if she hits the dollar figure that Rick wants? But, so, like, and that would lose Joe's opportunity to fame and make his legal troubles even worse if Carol got access to that footage. Um, And so, by Joe burning, it definitely incentivizes him from the standpoint of, you know, if, if that's a risk, like, I need to eliminate that of all this footage. Because um, also some of the stuff in that was under subpoena, evolving, you know, tied to the lawsuit as well. So he could potentially destroy evidence from it um, and, mitig- and you know, cut out any of uh, Rick's leverage of sharing that information. Even though I don't, I like truly do believe like that wasn't, like Rick wanted that thing to be a show. I don't think he would have sold yeah. out to Carol, even if Carol paid him as much or more. Like he wanted to take that to a network, and like he's a TV man. Like he wanted that work and and stuff to be cre- like produced and shared. Yeah, hundred percent. So I think Joe definitely just like from what you talked about earlier, right? Is like was so obsessed with the Carol thing, like that overtook even the pursuit of wanting to become famous. Um, which yeah. In whatever way Joe got his fame down at one way or another. Um, now, um, you know, some interesting things that was around all this. Um, and I wanted to ask, like, you, Alter, is like, all right, so if we eliminate Kirk, you know, Carol, not one, I don't, her burning it doesn't make sense. If there's stuff in there that she would find value and is trying to receive, you know, bring forth in legal battle. Um, you know, they don't really introduce anyone else that could have done it, right? It's 
pretty much then goes to Joe and whether, you know, most likely though he paid someone to do it, right? Right. But he's conveniently out of town attending a funeral that week. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yes. Um, And, you know, kind of within that, some facts, I want to get your thoughts. This is only, I think, going to help you, Ultra, and your... um, So, kind of around, like, the fallout around this incident. Um, And, right, because there's there's another part of this. So, it's like, even... So, they kind of, essentially, in the episode, plays out of, like, Joe's talking big game about trying to find out who did this. Case, to this day, is still open. Um, But there's all this loss. But, yet, you know, as we're watching this, everyone, keep in mind, like, a lot of the footage being used was footage that was supposedly only a single copy of it was in said recording studio. Yeah, so that's something that we kind of glazed over. Rick, you done messed up not that backing is, yeah. that up. Like, how? Yeah. <laughs> if, that's, if it was truly your, like, retirement fund, you got to make some copies of it. Yeah, and this is coming from a guy that has not backed up his laptop in over a year i'm not great at it but you know what i'm not trying to retire off this like i there's not if you had millions of dollars worth of creative like content on your laptop make sure that was backed up yeah you better get that in the cloud man come on (laughs) get in the cloud i don't Um, care if that's a hundred dollars a month at that time like get that get that backed up somewhere all right so i want to i want to read off some facts here for you and then we're going to get back to this fire and this situation. But I think it's important at this point we shed some light around all the, some of the events not covered in this doc around this. So as I mentioned, though, like so Michael Jackson's owned um, kind of was originally reported Michael Jackson owned one of the alligators that was killed in the fire. In fact, oh. And that's kind of what brought Robert Moore into this, who a lot of the stuff I'm presenting, like he did his own research on, his own podcast. Um, he's been doing this kind of separate of that. So, I mean, he's got a ton of stuff. Follow his podcast, um, which is it's centered around you know all the Carol, Joe stuff. Um, and I think it's just his podcast is just called Joe Exotic. Um tiger king so you know, check that out if you want even more stuff and um you know he's gonna he was basically on the side everything but his ensuing moment of like thing this was this headline about michael jackson's alligator burns in oklahoma zoo fire um it turns out it was that joe did have an alligator from the netherlands ranch but it survived the fire did not die in this fire but it the, the alligator had babies that were burned alive in that um, in the the um, studio fire. So mentioned so and Rick talks about this. so after the zoo fire he moved to Dallas um, and he kind of goes like he kind of had his own little spiral out um, I maybe like, he like relapsed from his addiction or like um, with crack and just like had a really downward spiral. Um, but shortly after that, so he moves to Dallas, then 
Rick's house mysteriously burned down, almost killing him inside. Whoa. And after those events, he fled the country and now lives in, in Norway. And there's, wow. there's a theme here with fire that's going to continue to come up. Um, a lot of speculation about the lost footage part. Uh, Robert Moore, uh, is his opinion is best case or best guess is that Joe instructed someone to secretly move the hard drives from the studio shortly before they burned the place down. Um, because, um, you know, the, and that part's his opinion, but he goes, you know, based on public records, in fact, he does know for certain that years later, the documentarians bought the rights to all of Joe's films. So all that stuff in there that there is some of that footage in this that is is directly from stuff that was supposedly burnt up in that fire. Hmm. Um, so, and part of it, so at one point, um, you know, within the fire of the zoo, they, uh, Robert Moore interviewed a police, one of the Winewood Police Department's, uh, like the case officer for the fire, uh, this guy, Brian Gordon. And the next day, so he interviews him one day. Next day, he gets a call from Joe, who's mad at Robert Moore and is telling him, he's like, um, he got in a call from Brian and was, and like, Brian had called Joe and told him that Robert Moore, who was reporting on this, was asking about him. And Robert Moore asked Joe, why is the case officer on the case in which you are a suspect calling you to uh, tell you a reporter is asking questions about you? And Joe says, well, he's also my limo driver. (laughs) And also that police uh, officer was um, later found as a um, former police chief found guilty of sexually assaulting intellectually disabled man is that same case officer. Uh, so that's a loaded, that's a very loaded uh, headline. Um, not great. And to continue down this rabbit hole of, of facts, there's a lot. This is, I think most of the facts I feel like I had here a lot of them were centered around this, and like it's a lot of Robert Moore's reporting from it. But um, in the documentary, they estimate the total cost to rebuild the studio is about ten thousand know, dollars. They talk about the one guy who's like, "Yeah, I did the job for eight thousand, like which basically was that cost." And like, why? Because I got to hang out with tigers. Um, so you know, the cost to rebuild the studio is about ten thousand um, dollars. A lot of the equipment in the studio was covered under insurance. Plus, Joe received a bunch of online donations. So the actual cost to Joe was almost nothing is is what they can surmise. So even if, you know, based on insurance claims and stuff, maybe I do think wonder if, you know, he was able to recoup the cost of rebuilding it, the equipment, and then was able to use some of that insurance money to pay Carol. Um so you know all that and i i do want to kind of go through because the the people in this are involved and we're going to get to jeff um in a second but there is a string of 
additional fire-related, mysterious fires happening. So there's a guy, Joe Barth, who they like put the tagline in as like reptile dealer, who has a lot of commentary in this episode. He himself had filed a lawsuit against uh, Jeff Lowe for doing some sketchy, had sold him some equipment, um, and so he was basically going after um, this this reptile dealer guy was going after Jeff and Joe, kind of for both being frauds. Or Jeff Johnson, I'm sorry. Jeff Johnson is the reptile dealer. Um, his bur- his house burned down at one point when he tried to expose Joe Exotic and Jeff Lowe for being frauds. Um, but you know, as we get into when Jeff Lowe teamed up with Je- when Jeff Lowe teamed up with Joe Exotic, um, they had this scheme to buy land next door to the zoo and open a bisexual strip club slash petting zoo and call it Tigers and Dreams. Later, the plan changed into opening a drive-in movie theater. However, involved in this, Jeff Lowe convinced a guy named Joe Barth to lend him some equipment to start construction. Then, Jeff Jeff Lowe went and sold that equipment so Joe Barth filed a lawsuit against Jeff Lowe. The next day, Joe Barth's house mysteriously burned down. In the timeline, this was Rick's events. Rick's house burned down in the summer of 2015. Joe Barth's house burned down in the winter of 2016. Wait, I said summer of 2015 for Rick. Joe Barth's winter of 2016. There's a lot of fires happening around the Joe Exotic world. Is all yeah, is, something something tells me that's not all coincidental, right? So there's a lot of me talk, but also I mean, you, you saw you saw him blow up stuff with dynamite. Yeah, <laughs> one of my favorite parts of this episode is you and my watch. Here she's trying to get my watch, and then he literally blows it up <laughs> and his mattress. Joe, you need yeah. somewhere to sleep, homie. Like. Don't blow up your mattress. Honestly, something, if I something tells me Carol did not want your mattress, I don't believe that one. If you, if I was Joe's attorney, I wouldn't have been advising him to possibly destroy all the footage. I mean, you know, Joe, maybe just let's, let's not buy guns and explosives for a couple months here, and see if we just use that cash to play. I honestly think, like they were saying at one point, is like payments for $5,000 a month. He might have spent $5,000 a month on ammunition and explosives. Uh, I would uh, at least that much. His credit at whatever ammunition guns shop that he was going to has got to be out of this world. But, I mean, some of those facts that you just rattled off are insane. Um, none of it, I mean... How, what could what could you say happened during the Tiger King, during Joe Exotic's reign, that it would be unbelievable at this point? You know, it's like you know, is this stuff crazy? Yes, but you know what? It didn't even get in the documentary. Why? Because too much to cover, dude. Yeah. Why? Um. So kind of around this though, yeah, we we get the introduction of Mister Jeff Lowe. Enter stage right. The. Uh, 
the new investor of the zoo, um, Joe's new partner, the guy that's going to help him take on Carol in this lawsuit and save the zoo. Um, you know, they're kind of their own quirky, we bought a zoo storyline. <laughs> um, so Jeff Lowe is like, some of them describe him as a businessman. He drives a Ferrari, a lot of flashy stuff. Um, he, uh, you meet his wife, Lauren, very briefly. Um, but we find out immediately, um, they're swingers, Ultra. Swingers! And Jeff's whole thing is that he, you know, brings tigers to the hotels in Vegas in, like, Louis Vuitton bags and stuff, sneaks out to hotel rooms and has a bunch of attractive women come, well, you want to pet a baby tiger? And it's funny because this line that Jeff drops, I, the first time I watched it, I was watching it with my girlfriend, and I literally said this line right before he said it, um, which I didn't know how to feel about that, but... Um, he goes he's describing how like yeah women just love tigers and like it's a great way and everyone's basically like yeah you know tigers get you girls but jeff Lowe goes little pussy to get you a lot of pussy (laughs) and uh his wife is just like oh yeah well swingers you're not not wrong i think my new we are swingers yeah my (laughs) My new thing, you know, this will probably, you know, whatever we end up the episode with, though, I, I have envisioned myself doing this is we're talking about anything Jeff Lowe, certain stuff he does, but all I can just attribute to is like, it's swingers, baby. I'm just being a swinger. Swingers doing swinger things, you know? Um, but Ultra, as is life, everything, yes. you know, seems a little too good to be true, right? They talk about this courting of Joe Exotic, and Jeff Lowe takes them out to Vegas, shows them this giant mansion, buys Joe's husband, Travis, a bunch of weed. They just have an awesome, awesome time out there and come to this agreement that they're going to go into partnership and Jeff's going to help Joe with the zoo. Um, in the timeline of all this, I'm not 100% sure. Um but we, we learn about Jeff's involvement in the zoo. And what, I mean, just like off the initial stuff, Ultra, what did you really, I mean, did you think a guy that looked like Jeff Lowe was this, actually a successful dude and like had all this money, maybe had a private jet? Like, did anything in the initial introduction of Jeff Lowe, did you buy it? Did you buy Jeff's story? Well, I can't. I know you're not asking for this, but my first reaction of Jeff Lowe is that he Oakley? is the embodiment of a douchebag. He is he he is king. He is douchebag king. You know, if this was to be about Jeff Lowe, that is him. And he, um, no, immediately I was like, this is not real. Like this is fake money. I don't know what's going on with this, but. Um, I don't buy any of this and the, this is not true of every, of everyone. Some people are truly self-made and they have the money from, mm. from themselves or they inherited money. And then they like Jeff Lowe could have been, he could just have a parent that is incredibly wealthy and he's got money to spend on this stuff. But my immediate reaction was this guy is just. He's just putting all this stuff on credit, 
and he's finding a way to make it work. And that is going to be the story of Jeff Lowe from here going forth. The story, like the really disturbing part with him, um, you know, it's, it's actually not as disturbing as, as other things that will be encountered that we will hit on at some point. Um, because a lot of like, we, we've talked about this before, but like Carol's theory is like, if you're breeding tigers, chances are you are killing tigers because mm-hmm. once they get to the point, they hit a certain age, can't make money off of them. It's incredibly expensive to feed them. So you're killing them. And that is obviously much, much, much worse than putting a tiger cub in a suitcase. And then ultimately the tiger cub being okay and taking it to Vegas. Yeah, that part's pretty messed up, though. But yeah. it is just heartbreaking to see them even... I'm sure that they were just showing that as, like... They just, like, put the cup in there and just, like, shut the case for, like, one second to show what it kind of looks like. And they put but some holes in a, there. As a reenactment. But, like, that is... It was terrible. And, um... Yeah. Jeff Lowe, yeah. not a great guy. Well, so my initial thing was, like, with this was I was, like... I believe Jeff Lowe might have money, but I don't think he did it in an ethical way. Um, and that was completely off of, like, just first reaction of, I'm like, I don't know how he made his money. And I was like, I feel like we're going to find out how he made his money, but it's not going to be the cleanest, you know, whistle way. It wasn't a businessman's way um, at all. And Jeff Lowe, I will say, in a lot of ways, though, compared to everyone else in this, this universe, other than Howard, probably the second most articulate person that speaks um, throughout doesn't mean anything good, but like, you know, but any good comment alter, you know, you got to be a smooth talker, and you know, Jeff is just kind of have an answer for everything, and is you know kind of a smooth talker. I will say, he couldn't smooth talk me into doing anything business with him, but like in this world, I could see where Jeff Lowe, you know could insert himself and, and kind of take some people for advantage. No kidding, dude. And he, uh, he took, he took Joe exotic for a run. That's yeah. For sure. And that's kind of where this episode ends. They allude to some of the Jeff Lowe stuff. Now, I mean, going back to like, I mean, just the example I just used of like the opening up of a, let me read it again. Just so if you thought I, I misspoke, Joe and Jeff, when they teamed up, one of their schemes was to buy the land next door to the GW Zoo and open, I repeat, a bisexual strip club slash petting zoo and call it Tigers and Dreams. Later, they decided to pivot that plan because what, you know, if that's not going to work, what's the next best thing? Of course, to open a drive-in movie theater. I assume the Tigers were going to be somehow involved. I don't have the details here. That first combination, I don't know if I could conceive a combination that would guarantee uh, some sort of litigation being against you. You yeah. know, like you're There's getting, some health code problems. If you want to, if you want to maximize the amount of lawsuits, you are going to get bisexual strip club and tigers. <laughs> a bisexual strip club petting zoo. Sounds like it should be a Cards Against Humanity card. Sounds like some Animal Crossing bullshit. Is that something Is that, that you can build in Animal Crossing? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's, 
That's a that's the first. That's a decent joke. <laughs> hey, I do I do my best. Um, but so that's you know wow. And so then yeah, they pivot to a driving movie theater, but he then convinces a guy to lend him equipment to do construction rather than doing the construction. Just goes, oh, I got some suckers. Give me access to this equipment, and then just goes and sells it. It's like, what equipment? You never gave me any equipment. Like, and you know, probably there is like very little paper. There's probably, you know, if Jeff is good at anything, and he, he, he minim- he's got a minimized uh, paper trail. Doesn't seem like a guy that's keeping records of everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, in that way, I think him and Joe found a like kinship as far as documentation of things. Um,. But yeah, so I mean, I think you know we're, we'll we'll head into the next episode. We'll really get into how um, where they end this episode, how Jeff Lowe stole the zoo, um, and we're gonna try to you know hopefully do a wrap up because I think you know if, if you've watched it all yet or you've gone through this part, I will say I mean these first four episodes I think were the strongest, um, and I really do think there's some really compelling stuff in the events. In the last three, but I think it could have been sort of tightened up into maybe two episodes um, in one way or another. Um, we'll probably get into some of that, but um, I mean, Ultra, your your any other thoughts you have on this fourth episode of Tiger King that we didn't cover that I missed? I don't think so, man. I mean, the my biggest takeaway upon rewatch here was that from the moment I even watched this the first time around I was like uh, Rick is a good hang. I can tell Rick Kirkham or however you pronounce his last name who was filming his reality show and, and trying to, to really well he wasn't trying to but the reason he got in the door in the first place was taking Joe's internet show to the next level was that he was uh, he was going to make this, he was going to retire off this and that he had this vision for this. And, you know, he, it was heartbreaking to see like on a real and a, a very real level, it was heartbreaking for him to see, to say things like I'm going to retire off this and that I've been working on this zoo 24 seven and he's doing all this stuff to have that all burned away. And like, I'm sure that he's going to get very famous from this documentary and I hope everything has worked out for him since having to leave the zoo. But like, I liked him. I liked him from the first clip in the show. Yeah. I was like, he's clearly got a screw loose too. He, you know, he, it gives his backstory of like being, having been on a uh, national news previously and worked on huge networks and lighting himself on fire and all this shit. Yeah. He's clearly got a screw loose, but I was like, this dude is, is fun and i like he found his jackpot here and really executed and put the time and work in to make it into something and someone (laughs) joe exotic burned it and got rid of it which was unfortunate that was the takeaway for the episode for me was like this has been it kind of was like less fun for joe and was really crappy what happened with with rick yeah, Rick is definitely one of my favorite characters for sure in this. Um, I don't know if I'd say, like, I think Rick would be a cool hang for sure, like, but 
I also definitely get some vibes of that Kirk and I or would not necessarily um, see eye to eye in all aspects of life. Um, no I think, doubt. I think Rick might swing a little bit more to the right of me on a lot of things. Um, <laughs> so as long as you don't talk about that, we're just kind of you know boozing it up, talking about you know wild shit, you know swapping some stories, having some beers. Um, uh, I think yeah, Rick could be like a. I think Rick is would be the perfect guy. You like if you were to walk into like a kind of a dive bar, you want um you want him sitting. I I'm flipping between calling him Rick and Kirk. I'm realizing as we're talking about Rick. Yes, Rick. I was calling him Kirk because Kirkman. But Rick is the kind of guy you want to have. You go into a dive bar. You want to roll up, and you want Rick sitting at the bar and an empty stool next to him, and you'd be able to kind of slide in there, and him to be you know, a little drunk, not too aggressively drunk, but just you know a little tipsy at a point to be like him to turn to you, and you guys start having a conversation. Or he's Rick's already you know telling is midway through a story with the with the bartender, and you kind of interject, and you guys have yourself a nice night, and then you part ways. You know, maybe to rejoin at that bar, but, you know, beyond that, you're not really, you're not going to go invite Rick over to your house, per se, maybe, or invite him over to the next, uh, you know, neighborhood party, but, you know, you and Rick can cross paths around town every once in a while, it's not a bad time. Yeah, that's a very good way of putting it. He is not someone that you're going to have as part of your inner circle, but is he a guy that you, that wouldn't be terrible to have around for... Like a bachelor party or a wild night no, out? Yeah. No, not a bad wild if, night. If Rick was a golfer, I'd, I'd cut up 18 holes with Rick. I think that'd be a good time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a, you and I are not great golfers, so we would get... I can't imagine he is either. That's an assumption. I wasn't even assuming off... But I'm just saying, like, amount of time I'd like to spend with Rick, I think would cap about 18 holes of golf. Oh, yeah. About time yeah. spent before things kind of go, oh, this is a turn a little sideways, maybe. True. Um, I guess the only thing I would have to just enter in on this um, is, yeah, the just pure um, kind of um, insanity of the fact that, and I don't understand the motivation of this, but like One Piece is like, and you mentioned it earlier, is like why was Joe filming himself in the lawyer's office and like how did they get that like – that part to me was kind of like, bruh, like, what are you doing? Yeah, I hear you. He literally, like, handed over incriminating evidence of himself, which, if what you think, Ultra, is, like, that he burned it down, like, the whole point of getting rid of some of this incriminating evidence is, like, handed over. Although, in the same regard, man's already in jail in that, that context, so, like, what's if he give, you know, at this point? Very true. I want to know what Carol did with his bus. <laughs> I think Howard lives in the bus. Oh no! She's when Howard's there. naughty, he has to go and time out in the bus. So that could be true, but I think they're sharing the same bed most nights. Dude, Carol definitely spanks Howard. <laughs> she's um some. I would imagine that she's wearing the pants in that relationship. Yeah, you know? I don't know. I don't think Howard and Carol are having. I can't say they're just having plain sex. I don't know what kind of sex they're having. Um, 
It's maybe not. I don't think it's a sex. I would be interested, but it's it's definitely kinky in one way or another. It's not doggy style. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> that is a perfect joke to end on, my friend. Perfect. I don't know a better way to end this episode than that. Um, so we appreciate everyone listening to another episode of our Tiger King mini series. Um, good news: The Last Dance airing this Sunday. Appointment Television, watch it. We're gonna wrap up this Tiger King pod series, and we're gonna go right into doing some recaps on the Last Dance, the Bulls, '90s Bulls, Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls documentary. As I'm recording this right now, I have a replay of a Bulls Sonics. NBA Finals game on my TV. They've been playing them nonstop since the quarantine began, even before they announced this. So I'm hyped. I can't wait for it. Um, it's going to be amazing. It is going to be. I'm excited. So until next time, from the point forward, make sure you're hitting that subscribe button, reviewing, following us at the point forward, me at Foolish Killer. Anything we haven't covered so far in Tiger King, fire them our way. Whatever the topics are. We need to do some research. We got some time. We're going to record this last episode or two, get those taken care of, and get those out to you. Tell all the hunters to lay down their guns. Tell them that the tiger needs a little bit of love. Let them run the jungle Let them roam their land Then stand back and marvel What a beautiful cat Cause I saw a tiger Now I understand I saw a tiger Tiger saw me